I'm writing this the day before Mother's Day while I watch Joel Embiid pretend to be Zorro in his mask as he dominates the heat, simultaneously switching between watching a Netflix series that definitely is going to deserve a second series. But somehow, some way, because of Netflix being unable to figure out a way to make money while everyone was stuck indoors for the last two years, we probably won't get another season of this show. But we are not here to talk about the sick burns I have for Netflix or the Miami Heat. We are here to talk about how a kid in an anime made me feel even worse about the damaging side effects about to be let loose on our already crumbling world. This is the Identity Booth, and here's something that a lonely kid in an anime taught me about Roe v. Wade. What he does. Kataro Lives Alone is an anime on Netflix, which sounds weird to say, but hear me out. It's an anime adaptation from a manga authored by Mami Sumore that upon first glance is a regular slice of life about a kid named Kataro. He is a four-year-old, and he is, as the title suggests, living alone. But as you dive into this quirky kid's life, something becomes abundantly clear. He is surrounded by love and his apartment complex is dedicated to making sure that he is fed, loved, and above all else, never alone, even if he is on his own. So what does this snake-eyed, big-head, demigod-looking kid have to do with Roe v. Wade? Nothing. I just wanted to talk about anime. That was until I got to episode 8. Roe v. Wade, TLDR, Lady wants an abortion, dude named Wade, who is a monster, says no. And on January 22nd, 1973, the highest court in the land decided, hey, you know what? The government can't really tell you what to do with your body, lady. Do as you please. And for the next 50 years, evangelical Christian male and women continued to obey the rule of the highest court in the land and there was no acts of transgression, there were no acts of violence, and there was no political violence in America. Thirty-three thousand eight hundred and thirty-six arrests, eleven murders, four kidnappings, twenty-six thousand four hundred and sixty-five pieces of hate mail, six hundred and sixty-three anthrax threats. 203 assaults, 98 attempted bombings at clinical facilities, 185 acts of arson, 42 bombings, 561 stalking events, etc, etc, etc. And that is horrible. That is terrifying. But let me put something in your ear. I bought geospatial data. Or is it data? I'm going to say both. And with this data... I was able to get information on a unique spot between the dates of May 2020 and October 2020, covering 16 square blocks in the Chicagoland area. And I tried to reverse engineer that data to help me identify people. And you will be shocked at what I found. Using my simple Python script and scraping data off the internet, I was able to target males between the ages of 25 and 35 who had a job, 
who drove a car more than 20 miles a day, worked in the medical district, and probably enjoyed Asian food, voted Democrat in the last election, has a girlfriend, is allergic to dogs, and asthmatic. I was able to positively ID this person because this person is me. And the girl I was dating, I was able to correlate her connection to me by using my Apple Watch because me and her burn calories at the same exact time between the hours of 0200 and 0400. It was an exercise sex king thing. It's, it's not that serious. Let's not get into it. All jokes aside, this cost me exactly $110.15. I could track down hundreds of people using this data. Imagine what people who have an incentive and bad intentions would do, like 561 stalkers. But if that's a little too much for you to think about, imagine what your government would do with it. Oh, and by the way, if you're a woman who tracks her period on an app on your phone, delete that app immediately because just like all other social media apps and any other app that requests to track you, I can buy that information. And if I can figure out when you're bleeding the most, trust and believe there are other people who can do it too. Protect yourself. present republicans will say things like children's lives matter while being the biggest ports for sex trafficking in the world they'll say weird things like we care about the unborn child but not the mother because if they did there's no way in a developed world we would be leading in mortality rates for women and that doubly goes for women of color we wouldn't be saying weird shit like the children are our future while we take tax credits away from parents who are molding the future. Not to mention adoption and foster care literally is a pay to play program. Where was the care then? There's only one reason why evangelical Christian white males want to control a woman's body and it's for greed. Let me explain. As long as billionaires are looked at as cool, attainable metrics instead of Thanos level threats, the cycle will continue. Because even if that unwanted child doesn't make it past the age of 18, for 18 years, a sizable amount of tax dollars will be collected off of that child. And some money versus no money is money they rather have. And the way that rich people have gotten poor people to fight this battle for them is mind-boggling so let's talk about the future since we know how we got here we know where we stand but we really aren't prepared for what we're about to get ourselves into episode eight of cultural lives alone is a very interesting episode because cotero makes a museum of his most prized possessions and he has developed a rapport strong enough loving enough with his neighbors to invite them to his home to experience his most treasured and loved possessions and a possession above all that he cherishes the most and they are a pair of gloves his mother used to wear to touch him a pair of plastic single-use gloves his mother used to wear in order to touch him the show does a wonderful job of exploring this situation but it broke me. It wasn't until I did the research that I realized Cultural's mother has postpartum depression. Webster's Dictionary defines it as 
Depression suffered by a mother following childbirth typically arise from a combination of hormonal changes, psychological adjustments to motherhood and fatigue. I know women who have experienced it. I've heard their stories, but somehow, some way, this anime, this example hit me the hardest, almost as if I was listening, but I didn't understand. And then I thought of all the scenarios that could go down that would make postpartum depression magnified. Some of the worst outcomes of postpartum depression that is not treated is death of the child or mother. The future is clear. If Roe v. Wade is dissolved, the world as we know it will become a much colder place for these types of kids born into these types of situations. We're not even really talking about the death of children here. We're talking about a goop of cells clustered together with no significant identity because that's what it is. 92% of abortions in America happen in the first trimester, happen in the first 12 weeks. And a whopping 6 to 9% of the remaining abortions happen in the second trimester, with 90% of those second trimester abortions being miscarriage complications. Let's give or take a few here. 1 to 3% of the third trimester abortions that take place in America go a little something like this. Imagine this. You've been married for about three years to the love of your life for the past five years you guys have been through hell trying to have just one child you've been pumped up with every chemical and every herb every home remedy your families could think of in order to have just one child you as the woman have taken time off to specifically make sure there are no stressors from your job affecting you from having this baby. Your husband's been pulling double duty to make sure that you guys can survive as you guys try and plan for your future. And upon some stroking good luck, you get pregnant. It's a celebration. Everyone is happy. Everyone is ecstatic. And seven months, three weeks, four days from your due date, you go in for a regular checkup and during your scan, there's a lump on the spine of your future baby. The doctors reassure you, say it's nothing. They're just gonna take a biopsy of it and the results will come back and everything will be fine. And for the next four hours, you sit in a waiting room, pacing back and forth with this dread in your heart. And you know that nothing good takes this long. You begin crying because you start thinking of all the names and suggestions that were texted to you because last weekend was your reveal. You're having a baby boy. Your husband spent the whole entire week moving all of his video games and man cave attire to the garage as he painted his old man cave, which is now going to become his son's new room, a very powdered blue and off yellow because he read in his how to be a daddy book off yellow is very calming to babies when they're crying hell mom even got good at couponing 
she's figured out a way to only spend a hundred bucks on a year's worth of diapers if she gets all these coupons in and certified by a certain amount of time you get the results and the baby's fine the baby can be born and will be fine as long as you are okay with a baby that will have no use of their legs and will need a device for breathing for the remainder of their life. The surgery to try and correct this is about 80% survival rate. And even if you could afford this life-saving surgery, the long-term care would bankrupt you because of our horrible healthcare system. So you're left with a decision. You and your husband pacing back and forth, trying to think of every scenario, sell the house, sell the car, work four jobs. But as you begin to come to terms and grip with reality, it's abundantly clear that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, giving this baby a good life with the status you have is not possible. So you decide to abort. That's who you're mad at? That one to three percent of people who have to come to terms with the most difficult decision you could ever ask to people who've only ever wanted to have a child? Those are the people you're trying to attack? That's why you want to make these abortion laws so strict and repugnant? In the words of Coach Harper, I'm not saying you should have been aborted for feeling that way, but I am saying your daddy should have left you in the tissue. Thanks for watching.